Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the BU Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter. My mission is to empower people to become the best versions of themselves so that they can live their best lives. I'm redefining success so people stop living the lives they think they should live and start living the lives they love. Join me weekly as I share my own insights and speak with guests that have embraced their unique gifts into living life on their terms. I hope these conversations inspire you to make the most out of your life by being your best self. Remember, be you, be beautiful. Hey, you guys. In this episode, I get to speak with Jennifer Mann, the CEO and founder of In Her Court. She is a financial planner that specializes in separation and divorce. And her story actually goes back to when she was 16 and pregnant. We discuss the challenges that she's faced and overcome and how she has beat the odds. I love how currently she is supporting women and taking care of their futures and not letting labels define them. And I hope you never have to use her services, but I'm so glad to know that she exists to help women as they go through such a life-changing process. And whether you're married, going through a divorce, this doesn't apply to you at all. I think you can really gain something um, from Jennifer's insights. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining me on the BU podcast today. Will you just tell uh, my audience a little bit about yourself and who you are? Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Um, my name is Jennifer Mann. I'm a certified divorce financial analyst, which is a an owner, founder of In Her Court and In Their Court. CFA is a financial professional, which is skilled at analyzing the data providing expertise and financial issues during separation and divorce, um, which is pretty much financial planning for the the divorce process, bringing financial awareness and literacy to women and couples. Awesome. And I'm excited to talk to you more about that today because, I mean, I didn't really know that there was... um, a thing as a financial analyst for divorce specifically, um, but it totally makes sense. So, you know, we're going to get into that a little bit later, which I'm excited about, but I wanted to start off with um, a little bit, a deeper dive into your uh, story, going back a little further. And you have a part in your life that you call the scarlet letter complex. Will you tell me a little bit about that? Um, So I like to say that I call it my scarlet letter complex because not in the sense like I do love, you know, the book, but it's not quite the same. It's um, not really the letter A, but um, it's my scarlet letter because I am a successful survivor of being um, 16 and pregnant. And this was 22 years ago. So way before it was like a sensational reality TV show. Um, it was, it was frowned upon, especially I live in South Carolina and grew up, um, between North Carolina, Texas and South Carolina. So it was definitely not something that was, um, wished upon you. And, uh, even though, you know, everyone was doing it, I just kind of got caught because, you know, got a letter. So, um, 
I call it the scarlet letter because I carry it. And even though it's been 22 years and people that I meet now um, in business and traveling and they don't, they would never know that that's part of my history, but I know, and I feel it and carry it anytime I walk into a room or mm -hmm. I give a presentation. So I'm learning to embrace my scarlet letter, yeah. but um, when I doubt myself and my abilities in this business, I refer to it as my scarlet letter complex. Yeah. You know, I think you bring up a really good point of people wouldn't know that, but you carry it around with you. And I think that's oftentimes so often is like, we have baggage that we carry around and we like, I don't know whether we try to hide it or not. We're very aware of it. And then we think like everybody can see it when like no one really knows, but it is how you kind of embrace it or um, utilize it. So I think that's very interesting that you kind of brought that up. Yeah. Um, it's definitely yeah. some, it's a thing I, I, I labeled it myself, which is, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's the, um, it'll actually probably be my next tattoo, but it won't be the A. I don't know what it'll look like, but yeah, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love when tattoos like have a meaning behind them. Yes, they all should. Mm -hmm, exactly. And so tell me a little bit more about when you were like 16 pregnant and, you know, just until now, I guess, like when you're really more embracing that story of yours, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to face? Oh gosh. Um, where do you even start? So, <laughs> uh, as 16 and pregnant, um, I look young anyway, younger. So, which my mother always said, one day you'll appreciate it. I do. I'm there now, but yeah. Um, then I kind of looked like a 12 year old that was pregnant, even though I was pushing 17. So I definitely received the looks when I would walk into a room like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's 12. She's pregnant. But mm. I wasn't, um, the, I mean, 12 and 16 are just very close in, um, mentality, I would say, but Starting from there, um, being pregnant, staying in high school up until I had my daughter and um, going back to school after the same school after um, a six week break and being homebound, finishing high school, which was not expected. You know, statistically, I was expected to not graduate from high school. Yeah. Um, and then I'm um, going to college and for me and my daughter, which honestly believe was what was written in stars for me. It was really what was mapped out for me. If it was not the easy road, but it was definitely, if I wouldn't have had that road, it would have gone a whole lot differently. So um, from there, you know, building a life and a career and getting education and um, making sure that she did the same mm -hmm. was, definitely a, um, harder road and full of challenges along the way. Yeah. I mean, and so what, um, kind of kept you going, like, because it is, um, you know, uh, not uncommon for people to get pregnant when they're young and not finish school and not go to college. Like what was your motivation behind it? Like, how did you keep going? Um, she was, has always been my reason to keep going. Uh, I've had two daughters 
since then. Mm-hmm. One that is um, her sister, which is 16, almost 17. And then I have a seven-year-old daughter. Um, so being that example and kind of paving the way and I guess leaving a legacy for them was really what kept me going. And the the label or pretty much the label that society places on teenage mothers is that you will never, you know, be anything but a teenage mother. And I was very motivated and determined for that not to be the case for me or my daughter. I wanted us to break the mold and not be the statistic that society said would happen. And so what would you want other like young moms to know or to learn from your story? Um, So in my journey of trying to overcome this scarlet letter, uh, which as I get older, it gets a little bit easier, but I do struggle with it pretty much daily but it's gotten easier because I can recognize it. And I think me telling the story in hopes that someone out there who needs to hear it will hear it. And that Mm -hmm. is that you don't have to succumb to the labels that society places on you. And that there is hope for, you know, your future and the future of your child. And it is the road less traveled, but it is a road worth going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you mind going a little bit more into like what kind of struggles you still have with it today? Um, so of course I have the, the self-doubt as far as, which was pretty much embedded in my brain when I was 16 and pregnant that I'll never, it'll never be enough. Mm-hmm. There is, nothing that I could possibly accomplish that will be enough to, in my mind, to get rid of that scarlet letter. Yeah. Uh, which I've been coming to learn to embrace more and use it as um, to drive me and to give me ambition. Yeah. It is I believe that probably every major milestone in my life that I have had challenges and gotten through has been my own self-doubt because of that scarlet letter complex, Mm -hmm. meaning that, you know, once they found out that I had a baby at 16, that it would be, they would think differently of me or that I would be less capable in some way. Yeah which, you know, was completely not the case if I would probably work harder than someone that had not had those challenges because it definitely made me stronger and gave me thicker skin mm-hmm. and I had a purpose, whereas normally others my age did not have that yet. I had a mm-hmm. reason, you know, to keep pushing. So it definitely made me think of everything and every milestone in my life, think of it differently and you know, push harder than, you know, my peers or counterparts in the same situation. Yeah. And then I'm kind of curious of like, you know, in your experience, once people found out that you had been 16 and pregnant and like, did people actually ever look at you differently? (laughs) 
So I was an HR director for, gosh, probably eight years in a manufacturing engineering company. So I, I dealt with um, a vast amount of personalities from, you know, working as a welder to being a uh, engineer in, you know, computers or mechanical or electrical. So those personalities were completely different. And I will never forget that I had one engineer that said to me, um, so how does it feel knowing that you'll probably be a young grandma? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, statistically the odds of, you know, your daughter having a child at the age of 17, because you had a child at 17 would, you know, is probably pretty high. So how do you um, feel about being a grandma young? I mean, and my daughter wasn't even out of middle school at that point. And I was like, yeah, I'm really not going to answer that question, but I've never forgotten it. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter did graduate from high school in the top 10% of her class and she did finish college, which she'll graduate May 7th and she is going to grad school um, at the end of May. So we did beat the odds, but for that, for, for me to let someone know what my past was and that I was in a position, even as an HR director, to really for them not to judge, but they did anyway, mm -hmm. was pretty eye-opening for me because I always thought that was happening right. along the way, but for it to really come to you know, ahead that it really was, he, they really were judging me. He was just the only one to say something was shocking, but it just fueled my fire. So, you know, at some point I pretty much need to thank them, I guess <laughs> if it wasn't for them saying those kind of things or making those kind of assumptions. then I probably wouldn't be where I am now. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting how I mean, I can't believe someone would say that to you. And I mean, not even just like going off of general statistics and not even really considering you as a person and everything, but like, then that is what kind of drove you and fueled your fire, like you said. And that's awesome that um, your daughter is, you know, graduating and um, not, you know, not going down the same road, but just that you can break the mold and that, like, I think it sounds like you've set a good example for your daughters, um, you know, to keep doing the things that people think they may not be able to do. Right. Yeah. And I, I've always been pretty open with my daughters about, about the decisions and choices that I made mm -hmm. then and, and along the way. Um, and it's actually a joke in our household when they will leave the house, we'll say, make good choices because, <laughs> you know, we, we are pretty aware of every bad decision that you could make. Luckily we have come out good on the other side, but being open about it and having the lines of communication open, I think definitely helped her, you know, understand where I was then. And it's not, I don't regret it. It was what was meant for me but yeah. I would not wish it upon, you know, my daughters because it was definitely the hard road to take. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I would have rather taken the easy road, <laughs> but it wasn't what was meant for me. So they understand that there's a fork in the road and there is 
you know, different ways that you can take and, and I'll support them either way, but they're, the road less traveled is definitely um, harder to get through. Yeah. I mean, and life really is just like about choices and, you know, no matter what happens, you know, people face different challenges and it kind of depends on how you approach the challenges you face and the choices that you make. And, you know, you've definitely made the best out of the challenges that have uh, come your way. And so, um, you know, you said that you were in HR and now you are a financial analyst it was specializing in divorce. How did that happen? Um, so kind of funny. I, as I was an HR director, um, there was some change in ownership of the company and I resigned because I wasn't on the same page as the owners, the new owners of what decisions were being made. And when I parted ways from that company, it actually did feel like a divorce. It was um, very hurtful. It was mm -hmm. a smaller family owned company. So I felt, felt very, um, it was very painful for a long time for me to get over, but yeah. I planned on taking the position, just whatever um, I could just a secretarial administrative position to where I could just answer the phones and, you know, do admin kind of stuff. And so there was an ad on LinkedIn that was for a front desk for a small investment company um, in Greenville that when I got there, it was just answering the phones, making coffee, answering the door, talking to clients. I mean, it was just very, no responsibility, just so I could breathe. Just yeah. didn't want anything heavy. I had, I was just exhausted. Yeah. So um, I did that and it was an excellent place for me to be and a very nurturing environment, especially the owner there who all lied in me, even then when I felt broken that I didn't see in myself. And I don't know, probably six to eight months later, I was moved to the back. I had an office in the back. And the more that I got involved to learning about um, that field, I came across this designation, which is CDFA. And I noticed that in the clients that they had, where we would be divorced or um, a widow that had no idea of what was where or you know how to do literally anything when the rug was pulled out from underneath them so yeah it took it took me a little bit longer than it probably takes most to get through the cdfa designation because it was a four proctored test and i was learning the financial planning part from the beginning whereas most people that have that designation have already completed the financial planning portion and they're just adding the CDFA designation on afterwards. Yeah. So I had to learn it on the back end and it, it took me a little bit longer, but I knew that um, women were closer to my heart and helping them understand the decisions that need to be made and really just being educated to be able to make the right decision as far as their finances. Yeah. So I started in her court to kind of cater to women that were in those challenging major life transitions. Yeah, uh, it is. I always just like love hearing people's stories and just how things kind of come together because it is kind of like, 
it seems like random <laughs> that you ended up in this, but then it's almost like you were the stars definitely aligned for you um, to be doing what you're doing. Um, and so like, what do you love about doing what um, you do within her court now? I love, I love providing um, the support and, and the nurturing um, guidance that, that they need and seeing them, you know, when they come to me, they're, they're really broken. They are, they're emotionally just, they're broken. They're distraught. They don't know where, what went wrong. And, you know, they're doubting literally every aspect of their life um, as a family and, and personally. So I do, I don't enjoy that they are broken, but I enjoy helping them, giving them the confidence and the support and the guidance that they need, really advocating for them from the beginning all the way to the end. And then seeing that transition at the end to the, where they're, they are confident, they do know what's going on and they can stand up for themselves mm-hmm. and be able to make those decisions. And that they know now after all that happened that they will not let that happen again. Yeah. And so I really like seeing that um, transition in, and telling them that, you know, you can do this. You're not alone and you can do this. It's, it'll be worth it. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're not just helping them get their financial situation in place. Like you're really, they're supporting them and being there for them in like a really hard time. So you're almost like a mentor and coach to them. Yes. Which is kind of why I added the other designation, the CFEI, because it, then I, kind of am a a, co- a financial coach in that aspect and scheme of things. So I can help them during this process and then after. So mm-hmm. they, I don't just release them out into the wild. Like I can help them plan after that and hopefully, you know, plan, you know, during three to six months where they don't need me anymore. And so tell me a little bit more of like, what's kind of like the common thing that you see when it comes to finances, when, um, women like approach you and need your help? Like, like, what is it that I guess, like that people typically don't know what they don't know and you help them with. So my ideal and pretty much my typical client is a stay at home mom that has, um, given up a career or an education to stay at home for 20 years or more. I've seen all the way up to 47 years after being married and they've taken care of the household and the children and just really maintaining the home for that time. While, so the husband, you know, went out and built the career and made sure that the family had everything that they needed. Yeah. And then 20s, you know, anywhere from 15 to 47 years later, the kids are grown or almost grown or leaving for college or, you know, have grandchildren. They are expecting to retire and travel and run off into the sunset with um, their spouse. And instead they're told that um, they, their spouse wants to get a divorce. So they are, they are at a loss because they have not been involved in the finances for 20 or more years. Right. And they have been conditioned over time, usually to, to think that this is mine and this is yours. 
or you know you really haven't contributed to the household much I'm the one that has built you know all of our assets up yeah and they've been conditioned to think that for 20 plus years so it my job to come in and say okay what you did for your household or your family for 20 years even though you stayed at home like that has value you are more than entitled to having all the assets looked at and divided in an equitable um, matter depending on where you live of course yeah but their mentality and they've for so long, they've been conditioned to think one way, like that's not mine, that's his. Well, that's, I can't do that because that's his. Well, my name's not on this and his name's on that. And, and really, depending on where you live, it, it is all one marital pot. And I'll come into play because I can show both sides what is marital and what is separate and what needs to be put in the pot to be divided to where they have confidence that they are going to be okay now and 20 years from now. Yeah. But I also have to change her mindset because she feels bad that she's taking something that's not hers mm. when it is. And I don't know about you, but I, I, all of my hats off to women that stay home with their children for 20 years or however long, because I can't do it. I'm not that mom. Yeah. I have, I, have, I just can't. So to me, it has more value than if you worked three jobs, but I kind of serve in the role of, no, this is, he can say this, but if this is this or, or vice versa. So it's kind of a education and advocating piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have kids. Um, so it's like, I can't even relate to be like a working mom, but I just, from my friends who are working like, you know, out in the workforce and stay at home moms and stuff like that. Like, I mean, just my hat off to all of you moms out there, because like I can barely take care of myself sometimes it feels like. So to be responsible for other people and a household, it, I, I know it's a lot. And it's, I don't know, to me, it's like very understandable that I can see how our mindset could be like, oh, it's his, like he worked for it or whatever, but to really help them realize like, no, it's yours too. And, you know, you guys are married, like it's, you guys have it together and you also worked hard for things and helped build it. So um, it's good that there are people like you that do help them realize that because people can just get lost in that and feel like, like, what do I do now? Because he did all the work and stuff like that. So, wow. And so like, what is some of the hardest um, parts about your job? Um, so, well, of course, me being very nurturing, it's hard to see, you know, the, anyone that's going through a divorce or a major life transition, just wanting to come in and fix it and, mm save their pain um, or save the day. But, you know, a lot of times I can't do that. And I've learned the hard way building this business that I need to create boundaries. Otherwise I will carry it for them. And I can't do that anymore. My, um, I have a business coach that told me that I need to stop setting myself on fire to, to keep others warm. 
-hmm. So I try to um, remember that as much as I can. So me feeling kind of helpless sometimes trying to ease their pain and, and help them get through this and help them see what I see is pretty hard. Um, and really just kind of rebuilding their confidence that really has been damaged for so long is, is painful to watch mm -hmm. for me because I see how amazing they are. And I see, I know, you know, what they've sacrificed and given up emotionally and physically through raising their children or, or keeping up the household through however many years, but they don't see it. And I know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but they struggle to see that. So it's, it is hard and a little frustrating sometimes to be able to relay that and, and kind of take their pain away. Yeah. And so do you have any advice for, um, I mean, it can be for people in general, but I'm thinking more for women that are married and I mean, hopefully they never have to go through a divorce or experience that, but like, do you have any advice for someone so that they can just be in a little bit of a better position if they were to have a divorce so that they wouldn't be so broken? So Anytime anyone comes to me um, for our initial strategy session regarding a divorce, I tell them um, one is they need to be seeing a therapist because there is so much that they can gain mm -hmm. in their confidence and really just inner support that they'll get and gain from having a really good therapist they can yeah. vent to and um also, you know, there is not, it, there's not a substitution for good legal advice. So a good family law attorney going and sitting down and getting several different uh, consultations with a family law attorney is always a good idea. I've always heard that, um, like, if you're wanting to put a new roof on your house, you always get three quotes. So three consultations with an attorney is probably a good rule of thumb to follow. And the other thing that would be to, you know, see if there's a CDFA in your area that will help kind of guide you through the process, of course. Yeah. But um, put your investigator cap on and try to minimize your um, telltale signs or your emotions through the process while you try to gather as much information as you can is probably the best thing and the cheapest route that you can go down. Um, yeah. Just making sure that you know, pull your free credit reports getting from all three bureaus and um, just really have somewhat of an understanding of what your financial picture looks like at that time. So you kind of have a, a plan for the future. And so do you work with people locally or do you, are you able to work with people, um, you know, virtually and like all over right now? I can, I can work anywhere. That's actually why it took me a little bit longer to get the designation because I had to learn all 50 states. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, tax law and 
divorce laws for all of those states. So I can, I can work from anywhere, but I also am a part of a group um, that's based out of Phoenix that is a group of us that we help each other. So usually if it needs to be more of a one-on-one -on -one situation, which it usually does, I'll know someone that I can refer you to this in your area that can give you more of a one-on-one -on -one feel. Yeah. That's great. And so what message do you want to leave people with today? Um, so my message would probably be, it's always progress. It's not perfection. So mm -hmm. the labels that are placed on us for whatever decision we made based on going the road less traveled or not is that it can be worth pushing through and never give up and that there is always someone that's been through the same thing that you have or that can help provide guidance to where you you're not alone yeah uh, I love it and I mean I think that you sharing your story really you know incorporates all of that so thank you um, and where can people find you and connect with you so I have I have a website of inhercourt.com and I have in theircourt.com now too. Uh, and I'm on Facebook, which is in her court LLC and Instagram in her court. Um, then I have a Facebook um, group that's called a man's guide to a woman's divorce because mm -hmm. my last name is man. So. <laughs> yeah. I love um, the play on words, <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, my big thing right now is I'm the only man you'll need. So mm -hmm. I can help you get through all of your financial major life transitions. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, so you said your other website that you added on was in their court. Um, yeah. So what, who is that for? So in their court, it, I created for couples that do not, are not interested in, in fighting or in litigating with attorneys. Mm -hmm. So I can help kind of be the facilitator for mediation to help them come to an agreement on how they would like to proceed as far as their assets, their marital assets and um, what their parenting plan will look like. And then I have several attorneys that I work with that I direct them to that will draft up the documents, you know, the um, court documents. Yeah. To submit for them. So it's a lot, it's a cheaper route to go for those that are amicable and just want to um, agree to disagree and go that route instead of, you know, dueling it out in court. Yeah. Yeah, that's great that there is that option and that those couples do exist as well. That's yeah, like not that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience today? So I'll just end with I guess my favorite, my favorite quote, which I put on sticky note pretty much everywhere, which is you will be happy, said life, but first I'll make you strong. Ooh. So, you know, eventually you'll get there. But First, you got to go through all the crap and it's going to make you a better, stronger person in the end. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love a good quote and I haven't heard that one. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. That one's a really good, powerful one too. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer. Yes. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful.